for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Anthony Slater, who covers the Golden State Warriors for The Athletic, about the health of the current number three seed in the Western Conference playoff picture. It was expected the Warriors would compete, at least for that number two seed. Seems like now, sitting behind the Memphis Grizzlies, with injuries on the roster to both Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry, again to James Wiseman, Gary Payton II, it's going to be a much taller task to get to the NBA Finals. All things we can talk about with Anthony Slater, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, March 23rd. Always great catching up with Anthony Slater, who covers the Golden State Warriors for The Athletic. And the Warriors, uh, they get Draymond Green back, they get Klay Thompson back, and they play like what? A game and a half together, two games with Steph Curry? 11 minutes on the court. That's a tough deal, man. Uh, I don't want to say this is the most dire part of their season, but when you fold it all together, it's not looking great for the Warriors, man. Uh, what's your outlook on the, the health of the team right now and, and maybe when we can expect Steph Curry back? I'm always skeptical when they say they're going to revisit stuff in a couple of weeks. Yeah, reevaluation is not returning in two weeks. We definitely learned that with Draymond Green. I mean, they kept saying two weeks, and it's very clear, especially you know from what we've learned from Draymond and just of the injury itself. Like they knew that was going to be a couple months, really. I don't think two weeks from now, April first, I think is the reevaluation date. I don't expect him to play April second or something like that. But I definitely sense a genuine optimism from him. I don't know if you watched or listened to his press conference the other day, but. You know, he is being told clearly that, like, by playoff time, which, by the way, still, like, you know, it's now a little less than a month, but from his injury is about a month away. And this is probably a three- to four-week type injury. And, you know, the front side of that is probably play through some pain. I would be surprised if we do not see him game one of round one, just listening to him talk and knowing just, like, the urgency of the situation. Yeah, they're going to the playoffs. It's not so much that, that I think there's fear that you wouldn't see him in the postseason. It's more about what it's going to take in the final 10 games now to get to the postseason. Where does that place them in the standings? And uh, explain to me real quick again. I saw you write about this the other day. I know Dallas is sitting down there in, what are they, in fifth place? Is that right? And the, and the Nuggets are in fourth place. The Warriors right ahead of the Nuggets. But there's a tie-break scenario. The, uh, that Jazz. Jazz are in fourth. Excuse me, the Jazz. But there's a tie-break scenario, correct? That uh, even if they tie Dallas or tie... Utah, they will not own the tiebreak. So they do not have the tiebreaker with Memphis, which is the one above them, and, and they're about to go play Memphis in this road trip. But Utah, they could get the tiebreaker. There's a game actually on April 2nd, I believe it is, that winner gets the tiebreaker. So that is a huge game. That's the biggest remaining game on their schedule because Utah is closest to them in the standings. They're sitting at fourth, I think, at this point, two games in the loss column behind. Dallas has already won the tiebreaker. They won the season series 3-1. So if Dallas finishes with the same record, Dallas is higher in the standings. Dallas also had two losses recently that at least gave the Warriors a little bit of breathing room from five. Five is important because that's when you flip to not even having home court in the first round, which would kind of be a stunning fall for a Warriors team. You know, we thought it was them and Phoenix going to be battling for the one, and that just hasn't gone that way. But there's a lot of stuff still in play. I think they're going to be safe in three, four-ish if they just like go 500 the rest of the way, you know, five, six, six and five type record. And that's reasonable, I think, looking at the schedule. 
Yeah, I think the problem with that is is you look at some of the games remaining on the schedule, like the San Antonio game that went down on Sunday, and you're like, yeah, that's one that you, you marked down as should have been a W. Obviously, things didn't go their way. A couple of rough calls at the end of the game that helped decide that one, and then a, a last-second shot by Keldon Johnson loses it. But I look at teams like the Suns, Chris Paul, they're 10-4 and four since he went out. The Grizzlies without John Morant this year, 14-2. and two. The Warriors without Steph are 2-7 and seven as they stand right now. Do you think it's fair to be critical of roster construction? It's tough because to your point, they were banking on health, and right now the health may be what keeps them out of potentially going to the NBA Finals or even a, a conference final, but they were banking on the health later this season. They were a great team in the first part of this year, but now it does not look like as an aging team, and it's an old man's game in the NBA or a veteran's game, it looks like the roster construction lack of depth could be what keeps them out do you, or out of out of a potential title run. Do you agree with that? And, and do you think it's fair to be critical of that? I think it's fair to be critical of the center situation and the fact that they clearly banked on James Wiseman and um, it's just not happening. You know, and the, the original thought, you know, you can go back to the summer. Like they thought James Wiseman was going to be back in like December, January. Ends up, ha- you know, the knee swelling causes the second scope. Okay, you know, maybe February. He keeps getting onto what they called the doorstep of contact before his knee would swell up. And then eventually he breaks through that. He gets into the G League. Like as of last week, there was hope. They were hopeful that James Wiseman could could help on the interior. You know, in, in very minor ways. But you know, they've had to hit pause again. So I think you can be critical of that part of the the roster construction. But if you take a wider scope, I I do think they. You know, Porter I think was very good on the minimum. Bielitsa, you know, he he's obviously he's tailed off a bunch. But I mean, for a minimum, it, ha- it hasn't been. I don't think like an awful signing. You could question their grand plan of you know youth and veterans. You know, care about the future while caring about the now because you know everything you do to help the Moses Moody's, the Kamingas, Wiseman's, like the prioritization of that is in direct conflict with the now. But I also understand that plan from like they're trying to have sustainable success. This was the risk. It hurts your depth a little bit because you could have flipped a Kaminga, Moody, you know, Wiseman for better depth. They didn't do that. It's showing a little bit now. The one thing I would say with the two and seven record without Steph, a lot of those were mass rest nights where it's not just Steph missed. With the way Jordan Poole's playing, with the fact that Draymond Green's back, we're going to know, I think, over the next like eight games, like have they built something better than they had last season without Steph? I want to get back into Jordan Poole in just a second because he's like he's like unguardable right now. It's crazy what this guy has turned into. But before we do that, uh, your thoughts on just what you saw from Wiseman? Because even though he's not back, even though it's another injury or another thing that's going to keep him out for some time, and who knows if we see him this year or in any sort of uh, large role capacity as we get towards the playoffs, I thought he looked pretty good. And I know they're G League games, but his size looked good. His movement looked okay. What was your evaluation of, uh, of James Wiseman? Yeah, I mean, he has like the tantalizing, like, you know, spectacular skill set that, that you can see. Like, if you turn him on at the right moment and you see he, and he, you know, successfully has a post spin move dunk, you're like, they have Giannis. You know, it's like, well, they basically, <laughs> but, you know, over the course of the game, he's making several defensive mistakes. He's struggling to catch the ball at times. You know, he's just behind. His development is way behind right now. And for, obvious reasons three college games and he's out you know bad injury his rookie year only played 39 games zero games his second season I saw much of the player I saw as a rookie which is again like by age 25 26 I think he's going to be a really good player in the league but the problem is he's just stalled right now he's in a, a complete stalled situation he needs reps and his knee is not allowing him to get reps so that's the major problem we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors 
He's got to play. He's got to play to sort of sharpen some of these skill sets. And we've seen that now with Jordan Poole, who the beginning of the year I felt like, or not beginning, I should say when Clay Thompson came back, it felt a lot like it was taking him some time to get into that six-man role or to get into that bench scoring role. And now he's comfortable. Now he, he can play at the end of games. He seems, as I mentioned before, unguardable, at least for the last, what, like 10 or 12 games or so. He's been fantastic. What have you seen from him? And, and I'm wondering about his contract situation because he's up, I believe, for the rookie extension after this season. I'm wondering how that plays into the make up of the roster going forward and what could happen with Andrew Wiggins just sort of in concert with that yeah uh, as far as pool the player I mean he's just at every stage of his career like broken through these walls but that you know you didn't there's a lot of people didn't think he was gonna like survive in the league past his rookie contract if you saw him as a rookie but he just like he is like a tireless worker and I know that gets thrown around a ton in, in sports but like you know being around the league he's in the top tier percent of like workers like he is going to will himself to get better and at this point i think all-star potential and i I can't believe i'm saying that but i mean i do think that's where it's at i mean he has been an all-star level player the last like you know 12 games he was up for player of the week with like you know luca and like carl anthony towns (laughs) like jordan Poole, and you're like we're at this stage uh i can't believe it but he's gonna be expensive and rookie extension talks can happen starting this summer I would say the thing that I think people sometimes don't understand, though, he won't get expensive for two seasons. Even if they agree to, you know, let's say a, a four-year, $120 million extension this summer, he's still on his rookie contract next season. Uh, the extension won't kick in until his fifth season. So that does allow them a little breathing room. To, you know, you don't have to, you know, maneuver, you know, contracts necessarily around until he would get more expensive in the fifth season. Andrew Wiggins only has one year left on his contract. So Wiggins gets up. Wiggins' contract's up before Poole gets expensive. Now, they don't want to just give Andrew Wiggins away for nothing, necessarily. There's a lot of big decisions to be made, including, I know people don't want to talk about it as much, but with the main guys, right? Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Like, as Poole gets expensive, as Kaminga potentially gets, you know, towards money, bigger decisions will need to be made. Just a thought on Clay there. Uh, I guess my thought and my, my novice evaluation of it is that he's been good. Obviously, he's not the Clay Thompson he was before, and he's still probably getting his legs under him in some capacity. He does not appear to be the defender he was before. Is that what you think when you watch him on defense? And his estimation to me was 80 to 85% of his lateral quickness. Uh, you know, he still has. That 20% is huge. He's worse on like guards speedier guys like John Morant for for instance in the second round they're going to need Gary Payton in that series essentially where Clay is a bit is big for his position a big two guard he's essentially a three at this point I'd say and you know he gets switched on to like I remember there's one Evan Mobley switched on him at one point and he's like he can hold up against those guys in the post which he always could you remember Kevin Love back in like you know those finals matchups He's still a smart defender, willing, no scouting reports, all that. So I don't think he's like a minus on defense. He just can't, you know, chase around the Damian Lillers of the world like he used to. And that is going to be a problem in the playoffs. But that's what Andrew Wiggins needs to do. And they need Andrew Wiggins to be better in that capacity because they're going to need him to be there kind of like, I don't want to say stopper, but, you know, defensive workhorse in the playoffs because Klay Thompson can't really be that anymore. 
Yeah, and I don't think Clay should kick himself for not staying between uh, John Morant and the basket because not a lot of people are, are stuffing John Morant at all, dude. Uh, one more for you before we let you go. Um, Andre Iguodala. He's one who you bring him in, you go, I don't really care how much he plays the regular season. He's there for the playoff run. He's there to be, as, as Steve Kerr calls him, like the babysitter or the, the grown-up on the court most of the time. Uh, what's his health situation, and do we anticipate getting a, a good chunk of him at the back end of the season here? I was just at a shoot around in Orlando and he stayed on the court for I'd say an hour after pre- after shoot around like going through what felt like a pretty strenuous workout routine you know like going to the rim from half court and right after making the layup sprinting to the corner taking a three right you know really kind of seems to be upping his conditioning it, it signaled to me like he's gearing up he's gonna get some amount of regular season games I'd assume I don't exactly know when they're basically gonna activate him but it's coming. And now the big thing, will does the body stay healthy? Because at times this season, he's look, he's actually looked very good when he's played. But I remember he played 31 minutes against the Pacers, and then he was basically at deactivated for like the next 10 games, and Kerr was like regretful of playing him that many minutes. <laughs> he came back in Oklahoma City, looked good for six minutes, and then it was like back tightened up. We haven't seen him since. So you're going to see him. The big question is, does the body allow him to play, you know, 80% of the playoff games? Because... If they do, like that's a huge rotational boost he's shown even at his age. It's just, can he be on the court? Yeah, I uh, need him to get healthy, need uh, Steph to get healthy, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. You got a, a city you'd like to go to first round? Man, uh, I, I typically like shorter travel in the first round just because you, it's, especially if you're, there's going to be four rounds of it, and I'm not saying there is, but uh, <laughs> I, I typically would want L.A., but that seems like, not happening at this point. I, I, I'm a, I like Dallas. Minnesota would be rough for a round one. And I feel like it might, like, that's probably going to happen at this point now that I said it. The Western Conference Minnesota Timberwolves always cracks me up. It's like when the New Orleans Saints were in the uh, the NFC West in football. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance that they play like Minnesota and then Memphis, like yeah, first round, yeah. second round. And like, yeah, you're you're going two time zones on both of them. And you throw New Orleans in that too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're right. not going to play them in the playoffs, but the Western Conference. <laughs> it's funny how they break them up. Anthony, always good catching up, man. Good insight. Uh, enjoy the, uh, the five-game roadie, and we'll talk to you later, man. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Good stuff from Anthony Slater. And, yeah, the Warriors in the midst of that five-game road trip. They take on the Miami Heat tonight as part of a back-to-back. Of course, played Orlando in last night's game. They've still got three more back-to-backs before they wrap up this season. So the health going to be imperative, and they'll definitely need the end of that bench. Guys like Bielitsa, guys like JTA, guys like Damian Lee, they're all going to need to come back to help this final stretch. And hopefully Steph Curry back in about two weeks. Thank you to Anthony Slater. Thank you to Brian, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. Baseball is back. We'll continue to dive into some of those acquisitions and spring training games as uh, stuff becomes available and as games are played. Also, we're still following and monitoring the Jimmy Garoppolo trade situation. Obviously not going to go to the Indianapolis Colts as they traded for Matt Ryan, the Atlanta Falcons, and signed Marcus Mariota. Maybe the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo have to start exploring the backup market. All things we can talk about in the day and weeks ahead until Friday. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.